matter at all. That's what I want to know. The world of tomorrow awaits us, Diane. <laughs> the world of tomorrow. <laughs> Will we be here to see the eventuation of the factors and elements and the, the portent which hangs heavy on our shoulders through the days, through the sleepless nights oh. and the, the taunting of history? Uh, prefiguring uh, everything. I get to live around this all the time. Everything Isn't it fun? except it's 8.42 a.m. Saturday, May the 14th, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> Sorry. That was sort of a sudden A little misreading ending. of the signals there at the end. Well, gee, I'm winded. <laughs> <laughs> Candles are lit. Blinds are open. Colors are in the room. They are definitely in the room. And uh, it's been so interesting when the sun comes in in these spring mornings and yeah. it sort of intensifies. Oh, yeah. yeah, it comes in slowly. In the front window. It yeah. just. It's kind of a joyful experience because it's like seeing the sun's colors arising through the room and and being magnified and glorified. Being reflected back at it. Yeah. The sun's going, hey, hey, give me my sunglasses. <laughs> some kind of getting some kind of weird reflection off that little place down here. It's blinding me. But my favorite time is in the evening when the sun is setting and uh, at this time of year it starts sh casting this light yeah. through the blinds on the walls and it's just beautiful it's, like it's pretty it's real like pretty something you'd want to take a photograph of it's so beautiful so well diane what's stopping you nobody else would get the beauty if you just took a picture of light on the wall yeah. you know well anyway. maybe maybe nobody else would appreciate it because no one's ever celebrated it before Someone has to burst through into the celebration mode of something like that. And then other people can go, oh, it is kind of cool looking. And, you know, and 500 years from now, that'll be on the altar of great cathedrals, <laughs> an image such as that, because it simply has to evolve. Well, okay. It, oh, go ahead. Go no. ahead. It's been, a, it's been an abundant week here in Lake Abundance. I Over was, to you, Diane. Well, I was just going to say that, I'm sorry. that a lot of the things that I truly find joy-inspiring are very small things like that. Well, I think, Especially the light, the way it's cast in various times. And What do you, you think, think? I think it's just another uh, aspect of our age. Because I think when you're older, since you're, you're, your sphere is getting smaller, you know, in some ways... That you start noticing smaller things and take and celebrating smaller things, you know. Well, but I've been this way for. I know when you've I was been this way forever, Diane. But you're not people. <laughs> well, I still remember when I was living in this in my first house. Yes. And I would have been in my thirties. Okay. That there was a day where I was walking by, and the I had this kind of gauzy. Uh, sheer curtain over a sliding glass door. Right. I and, can picture it. And it was just billowing in, kind of in and out and in and out. And I just got mesmerized by the beauty of it. I just was, I was sitting there just watching it. I remember that day or a day when I saw some light coming through a colored vase. You know, all my life I've, I've gotten these profound moments of joy from some very small thing and thought wow this is where i celebrate not seeing something spectacular but something very small that's very beautiful anyway. yeah i was i was amazed i mean i i know what you're talking about like to this year this spring was the first time i ever took a good look at the blossoms on maple trees you they're know? like almost like this. They're like chain these little tassels of, hanging yeah. down. But uh, you know, it's a, and I'm like, 
I was, I've been looking at these things. I'm going, have I never noticed that before? You know, because it's just amazing to me. Well, I think we probably have noticed things like that before, but didn't really speak of it. Because I know I've noticed that before. Always thought, what's going on with those trees? But yeah. I never really talked about it with anybody. But it's sort of like this this joy in yeah. how things really are in the world. Yes. Well, this is why I don't take hallucinogenic drugs. I right. don't think and why you don't need to. <laughs> yes, yes, I understand that. That's a, but that's a digression. I've been listening to listening to lectures by Gary Snyder. Gary Snyder, who turns ninety one, I think this month, uh, or maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Anyway, uh, you know, and this is this may sound odd to you, but in my mind. Something about Gary Snyder, and this is for as long as I've been an admirer of his, has reminded me of Ken Higgins. Oh, I can absolutely see that. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember one of the first time I was reading Gary Snyder and I saw a picture of him. I said, like, hey, it kind of looks like Ken Higgins. He does, <laughs> yeah. I so mean... anyway, anyway, I've been listening to these lectures and he talks about how, you know, the the environmental crisis that we're in now has a lot to do with the fact that human beings have been uh, have practiced hubris of a kind in putting themselves the word dominion yeah uh, comes up and and it's that kind of consciousness that's causing us to do what we're doing to the planet instead of living in community you know yeah his idea is you live in a community of living things and why why is there no lobby for the trees why is there no lobby for the for the moose or for the deer or for the for the uh, possum or you know these it's like everybody has to have their own lobby and pay money to the government in order to get their attention that's how people do it yeah you know? well i definitely agree with him and the yeah but also the whole idea of dominion i mean we were just talking this morning about the Using the Bible as a cudgel for yeah. whatever you don't like, you know, I, I feel like, um, I mean, for me, it's uh, the idea that women are always to blame. Right. You know, the, the women are the, <laughs> the source of original sin. And, and how could that even possibly be? But we are not even going to go into that. Right. at this time but i agree with that idea of the dominion yeah. over all things i feel like yeah why not you are working together with all these things right. when, when i'm out in the world and i'm seeing the trees and the plants i feel like we are dead literally without trees and plants they are to yeah. me that's why i've always thought of them as these divine um Especially because green is always growing, you know the it it'll make its way through pavement. It's yeah. and that's why we became so interested in the green man. Yeah, it's just uh, both you and I in our separate corners before we even got together. We it both, is true, Diane. It is. it is true. It was kismet. Um, it was kismet. Babe. Yes, it was kismet. I know. Anyway, it's a it's an interesting thing to think about. And how different our consciousness and our culture would be if that had always been a thing. If we had taken our place at the top of the food chain, not as a power position, but as a position of responsibility. You know. Stewardship. Yeah. If you're going to be at the top of the food chain, then you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Or whatever they say on Spider-Man. Yeah. So, anyway. It's an interesting thing to think about. And I think when you're old and you've got contemplative time and it's kind of your business as an older person to be more contemplative about everything yeah these things start to occur to you these uh, puzzle pieces start to fall into place more rapidly uh, and a lot of the education that we get comes from the experience of joy that's right when you are open to the joy of the light in the room at different times of the day when that can absolutely light you up and be the best thing that happened to you all day, well, then you're accessing a realm that uh, that we are almost trained to not pay attention to not waste time on. 
or something, you know. Well, because it doesn't bring any money to anybody. Yeah, it seems it seems almost <laughs> blasphemous to celebrate beauty, you know, while you're going for a walk or something like that. Shouldn't you be planning out your day? Shouldn't you be thinking about what you're going to say at that presentation later? And I don't know. I just it, you can go hog wild with these kinds of thoughts, and it's you know that it's this thing that Tim and I talk about every Sunday morning in our in our Sunday mass. We're now starting to call it Sunday mass. <laughs> Because it is like a church service for both of us. It's a destination Zooming is what it is. It's destination Zooming. It's one of the conversations I look forward to all week. Um, because I listen to Tim talk all week, and then I then we get to talk to each other on Sunday. It's fun. It's a nice thing. But I was going to make a point about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to do that. And it tied in very well with what we've been talking about before. And that was... Um, Joyous. Yeah. Uh, having joy from on being on a walk, seeming almost blasphemous, blasphemous to uh, to see the beauty of the world. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That was where we were. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I, I think it was going to culminate with the idea that, you know, we're at an age where we're actually feeling like we've got a certain amount of knowledge and wisdom, and nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> nobody wants to hear that it. That is the arc of a life. Yeah, and because, that's because kind of you, the can only dis- thing. you can only discover these kinds of truths in the context of the, your, the, of the rest of your experience. So if you're talking to someone else about the wisdom that you've gained, they're going to be like, they're not going to know what you're talking about because they have to, they have their own path to follow to get there well one of the conversations i had with my friend kathy siskowski who is slightly ahead of me on the life path of age um she was saying that she had gotten so frustrated (coughs) participating in some of the groups with which she had participated for some time because people would be bringing up every 10 years they bring up the same thing that they had done 10 years ago that had been unsuccessful and you you just feel like I've already seen this play out several times now and it's not working you know and I was thinking about that this week because I had a conversation with one of my younger colleagues about uh about a circumstance at work that had happened and and she said, well, this is why I always think that it's really important to write up business processes. As if none of us had ever written up a business process in, in our lives. Right. And I was trying to tell her, every new employee, every new employee has done that. Yes. And everybody does it to their specifications. They yeah. think it's the best thing that they've ever seen. And, somebody, and does it help? No. No. <laughs> and it doesn't help. Yeah. And the other thing is that I brought to her attention, and I'm sure I was harshing her mellow, was that? You were yucking her yum? I was yucking her yum by saying that many times you'll spend hours creating this, or or weeks, like uh, some of the websites that I've helped uh, create, and they will be out of date in two years. You know, this marvelous thing that you spent so much time trying to explain to people and then it's just all out the window it's like painting the narrows bridge or something like that you know i got myself a cup of coffee here and i'm going to take me a sip by the time you get to the other end of it it's time to start painting again yeah it takes that long to paint yeah ham and eggs anyway i had a i had a story oh good i wanted to tell and this is going back to when i was living up in the methow and some of the work that i did was helping my friend ray right ray robertson out on forest service contracts that he had secured and so we would be doing we would be in the high country a lot of it was was uh measuring the, the growth and survival noting the growth and survival in replanted clear cuts but sometimes we got some interesting projects and i remember one year we had this survey they wanted to survey this big swath of this big stand of trees that they were wanting to cut but before they did that, they wanted to see what kind of, uh, what, what harm it might do environmentally. And so we were looking for snails. 
And I'm talking about snails that are, you know. Itsy bitsy. Itsy bitsy. That would be about the size of what? Uh, I mean, some of the snails were even smaller than that. Like like the head of a... Ten penny nail or something like that. This, this is a tiny... Like the tip of an eraser or something Yeah, like that. about the size of the tip of an eraser on a pencil. And smaller. It was this particular kind of snail that was native to the region, and they wanted to make sure that they wouldn't be uh, threatening the habitat. So this is when I learned about duff depth. Yeah. So you would, you would come into an area, you would plot out a, a grid. You know, Ray did all the paperwork. I just carried the stuff, <laughs> which I was fine with. Because I was like the student here, and you would you would lie on your belly underneath a, a pine tree, and you would start digging down through the needles, and then through the the needles that had partly deteriorated and down until you got to what they call mineral soil, which is dirt. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would look in all the sides, and you would you would dig very slowly to see if what you uncovered. And a couple of times, I found a snail that was smaller than the head of a tip of an eraser and it was absolutely gorgeous we had these little magnifying lenses that we could use and stuff like that and these these creatures were like you know so it was like this perspective thing it was like it was giving me a sense of not only the layering of of the nutrients of the soil but then the the animal life that was supported by it right living in that environment you know it's like this is that thing's world and I'm trying to protect it by not you know, cutting down its source of nutrients, which is in the duff, yeah. in those you know, in those layers of, of decomposition. Anyway, it just well, gave me a kind of a perspective to be laying flat on your stomach in the middle of the woods, out in the middle of nowhere. You know, we would park the truck and then we would hike in to these sites, to these uh, areas, because there were no roads around, and Suddenly you're laying flat on your stomach and digging down through wow. to, to look for these little things. And, and I don't know, it was just a study in perspective for me that I had not experienced before. And it was also a very interesting way to spend a day. Yeah. <laughs> well, recently I saw somebody posting an article about what we used to call potato bugs, I think. Mm-hmm. Those little roly-polies. That, uh, and yeah. they were saying in the article, these may look disgusting, but... And I thought... I never thought they were looking disgusting. I, just, I thought I was, they were sort of fascinating. They were like armadillo bugs. Yeah, they were yeah. like... Yeah, like yeah. armadillos. Because they can and they, roll up and... They roll up. Yeah. I thought they were fascinating. I saw a lot more of them when I was a kid. Um, sure probably. don't play in the dirt that much I anymore. was going to say, because yeah. I was playing in the dirt. Yeah. But... Um, and my friend Katie de Rossier yeah. has recently become really fascinated by soil composition. And I had a conversation with her because we were both talking about our awakening passions that started off somewhat um, like just an interest and then kept pushing forward until it became so much a a part of our daily mm-hmm. lives uh-huh. and um and i was telling her well you know the thing that's so amazing is i had already thought when i retired that i want to go to see some gardens because i'm really i'm fascinated by the healing medicinal qualities of plants that have been um found to be true and quite frankly i'm thinking of it even more as we get further and further into the dysfunction of society, because I start thinking it's going to be important to keep a handle on the plants and the trees and what they're doing. And well, they're part of society too. Exactly. Yeah. And there's this wonderful book that I had gotten called, um, The Herbal Lore of Wise Women and Wartcunners. 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 That's what it used to be called uh, in the old days. Behind the books. Oh. Beyond the books. Bill's pointing out where my glasses are. 
Ward cutters. Just the back of the book says traditional herbalists or wart cunners were not only good botanists or pharmacologists, they were also shamanic practitioners and keepers of occult knowledge about the powerful properties of plants. Traveling back to the healing arts of the ancient Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans, the herbal lore of wise women and wart cunners takes us deep into their world from the leech craft of pagan society to the cloister gardens of the Middle Ages. It further examines the herbal medicine today in the traditional Chinese apothecary, the Indian Ayurvedic system, homeopathy, and Native American medicine. Wow. It's, it's really a fascinating book. But yeah. the other thing that is really cool about it is that it actually tells you different... Um, like vegetables as medicines and wild foods. And so I had gotten this some time ago and had read the beginning of it, that just the story of herb lore and medical models, yeah. um, how they came about, because it is truly fascinating to understand how we came upon what we decided to do. And part of the reason why I got this is because I felt that when I started going to a naturopath versus an allopath, the environment was so totally different. Yeah. You're not in a sterile looking room. So the idea that science almost started treating people like they were specimens in a laboratory where everything is steel and white and you know, you're on an uncomfortable table. When I first went to a naturopath, there's cushions on the the um, table you get actually touched by the naturopath which allopaths very rarely even do anymore so I became fascinated with this when Katie told me that she was having this passion arise I said that is so weird I was just telling Bill that I would like to study some I wanted to go up to the Bastyr Gardens mm -hmm. um the medicinal gardens, the UW also has medicinal gardens, but they are very practical in their layout. Right. Uh, the medicinal gardens at Bastyr are gorgeous. And they also have a reflexology path that you can walk with bare feet and it's, it's different uh, stones <sighs> to help you with your wow. reflexology and yeah, a let's seed go. Train. Let's go do that. When are we doing it? Friday. Huh. So we, were, uh, so it was so funny because I talked to Katie. She said, oh, I would love to go up there. And I said, well, I have a friend who was working there and I could contact him. And I told her about his background. I met him through the University of Washington when I was in pharmacology. Mm -hmm. And he was a research assistant professor. He was actually a graduate student when I first met him. Then he was a postdoc. Then he went and then he was a research assistant professor. And then... Um, when funding was lost, he lost his position and he got this job at Bastyr. And since he was a microbiologist, she said, oh my gosh, I really want to talk to this guy. And so I said, well, let me contact him and see if he would be available. So is, is Paul going to walk us around? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So uh, I don't know how much time he will be there, but he said, oh, I'd love to do that. But we just chose a day. We said, well, it's too soon to do it this Friday. How about next Friday or the Friday after? And so I contacted Paul and immediately got, yeah, that'd be great. I would love to show you because now it should be a flourishing time in the gardens. But my point being that all of us have these passions that are, are somewhat presented to us in different ways. And if you're alert to it, and you have friends that are also starting, because I told Katie, man, you know, this is in in line with some of the things I wanted to learn about. After I retire, I had this whole idea of having a study plan hmm. of various things. I want to study mythology and astrology. I'm already studying tarot. I want to study medicinal plants and herbs. I actually got another book that I have not yet really cracked open called the green witch which is also about uh, plants and how they're used because you know 
pills came from somewhere. The ideas of these things came from somewhere. Yeah. They weren't all synthesized at the beginning. Right. And the whole idea of uh, medicinal, eating medicinally, um, which is a lot of what you're doing with the MS, um, is very interesting to me. How do you get your nutrition? And, and we have wandered so far away from where we were supposed to be. No wonder we have all sorts of ails, you know. Ailments. Ailments. Yes, I agree. It's, anyway. an interesting, it's interesting to be able to delve into something uh, to that depth. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to do it myself. Well, there's a, for me, there's this idea that I have that I'm going to uh, set up sort of days and hours that I will be studying different things, you know, like every Tuesday or whatever I choose that I'm going to be learning about uh, the beneficial medicinal properties of herbs and plants. and Well, you should study what the, the origins of the days of the week and, and associate what you do on those days with what is... Oh, I love that. The day of the week. I love that. Okay. Right. Yeah, moon day. Yeah, Saturn's day. Saturn's day. That would, you know, I think you might be able to... Seems like Saturn's been coming up some. Saturn's been coming up a lot. But Saturn should be coming up a lot because Saturn is the, the endings of things. You know the, the where you're restricted and, and where you're debilitated for a purpose. You know. Anyway. Ah I'm, yes. I'm now, as everyone can tell, I'm getting quite to the the chomping at the bit stage of getting. I keep that thinking work. of those old commercials. The closer she gets. The better she looks. Pardon me, I'm having another drink of coffee. You know, they're running across the field towards each other. You boy. Her hair is That's good coffee. Doing the hair things. It's probably for Alberto VO5 uh, something. You know. Uh, well, it's been a, a pretty heady time oh, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And I just feel so excited by. Uh, the fact, I mean, I I never have kept a a timeline as some people start keeping when their retirement is going to be on some sort of clock for years. You know, mm-hmm. I've never done that because I've always really enjoyed my job. But now that I'm getting closer to the end, I've been keeping um, a record of how many days I have left of working days, mm-hmm. and it isn't just because I'm longing to break free although now that has definitely become a a part of it but it's more just like keeping in mind i only have so many days so if i'm beginning any project it has to be able to be done in now 28 days actually 29 Um, i'm thinking about after monday so 29 days and that is not much time bill Really? It's going to go by in the blink of an eye. Well, certainly it's uh, it's less than there used to be, but probably more than there'll ever be again. That's very true. Yes. But, you know, the thing that I have found that is rising within me is this sense of true excitement over what I am starting to learn and starting to dip my toes in that I have not felt about anything for well no I mean I've always felt passions and joy for lots of lots of things but I think that the reason why the excitement seems more keen is because I've always been restraining my excitement before because I couldn't get into it like you you'd really want to delve into something but you couldn't do it because you had too much you had to get done during your work days right and uh, the See, here's here's my thinking. Yes, yes. Because I've been thinking a lot in my uh, current state without being able to use my hands to play the guitar uh, like I once did. Um, what has been giving me a, the sense of freedom and the sense of expansiveness in that absence is the loss of the ego. 
piece. And I think what ties us to our, our work identities has a lot to do with ego. Not only ego, you know, to be, especially at the end of one's career where you're better than you've ever known, you've got more knowledge, you've got more experience, you're getting a certain amount of respect thrown at you simply because you've been around so long doing this thing. Right, that's true. And so it kind of, it's, it's building your ego up all the way and then you have to manually cut it off. Yeah. It's an act of severing from that ego piece. And for me, one of the things that I have lived with my entire mature life, ever since I decided I was going to be a songwriter, I was going to be the guy with the guitar. Yeah. Is this battle with the committee in my head about whether or not I deserved it, whether or not I was doing enough with it, uh, whether uh, what what business did I have going around trying to get everybody to look at me, look what I can do, yeah. look, I can do this better than you. You know, it's this this thing in my head has been battling back and forth that whole time. Not that I haven't found absolute joy and thrills and, and excitement and vitality in that work that I right, did. Right. And not that I'm not proud of the work I've done or anything like that or did not enjoy every inch of it. But what I realize is that there is a place beyond that where the ego is left behind and suddenly you're in your life. Yeah. You know, you're not dependent on that connection to validate yourself. And when you are when you stop seeking validity in your existence, you realize that you're freed into your entire life as a total life experience rather than simply channeled in this one direction. And, you know, because the that ego battle was taking more and more of my vitality away yeah. the older I got. And it was harder to keep myself as an individual in a state of readiness to meet my own standards of what a good performance is. Right. Doing right. that, the practicing, the playing, the more guitar, more, 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 practice, practice, fine-tuning it, getting it to where I felt like I was playing better than I've ever played before and singing better than I've ever sung before, and then the chop. Yeah. So it is a really harsh kind of severing, and it's unlike any that you experience in your life prior to that. So no wonder it's got so much complicated uh, emotional uh, territory around it. Sure, it's, a, it's the undiscovered country. But it opens you into a bigger experience of I, the totality of everything, you know. I love what you just said. Because it's, it's like our working lives so are a, uh, like a four to five decade long distraction well, from who also, we were as children when everything was just open in front of us. Wonder. And, and we could be and enjoy wonder. That's what I'm feeling at this point in my life, noticing the blossoms on the maple trees that's a wonder. I mean, I would, right. I've been stopping because they hang down over the yeah. over the interurban trail. That I stop and I just was holding them in my hands and just looking at these clusters of these tiny flowers. And they've got all the stamens and pistils and everything inside each one of those tiny little blossoms. Wow. And it was just like, what? How, how have I never seen this before? I mean, seen it, you know. Well, that's why... Because I've always loved maple trees, and there's always, I've always lived around maple trees. There were two red maple trees in our front yard when I was growing up. There were hundreds of maple trees in Fox Island, and I loved those. Because, I mean, these were the kind with the leaves that would be a foot across, yeah. you know. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. Well, and, and I think that it tie, all that you said ties into two themes that have been running through my thoughts a lot, which was... Uh, Bill Willem saying after this meeting that I had that started yeah. my whole yeah. um, dis decision not to work anymore when he said it sounds like you had an ego shattering experience and aren't you lucky yeah. I will never forget that right. because yes you were lucky yeah. to have the ego shattering experience so that you don't have to you know kind of take the tendrils off of this <laughs> or, or feel completely inert and empty of meaning after you retire yeah you know a sense of well what am i supposed to do now but everything 
But then the Everything. other thing is the about Joseph Campbell's uh, quote that I actually have read on the show just recently, that you uh, you go out of the field of achievement and into the field of wonder. Yes. And I just have been so fascinated by this and and having the conversations with the people who surround me and and interestingly all of us are are ripple affecting everybody out. Yeah. You know because. Like I have, I focused on that ego shattering experience and aren't you lucky? I tell another friend and they pick it up. You've told other friends too and they, there's something that is so powerful that you're experiencing this and you pass it on. Hey, this is what we are in right now and aren't we lucky, mm-hmm. you know, to have this, this chance to experience this. Yeah. And then go back to the the wonder that we once had as children over everything that's happening. Yeah. I mean, even the thing with Katie, when she's talking about this and I was saying, oh my God, I was telling Bill that I wanted to go to some gardens and he was saying, I don't know if I'm not, I'm that much into that. Um, but you definitely need to go to the Bastyr Garden because it is cool. Yep. But go. you know, like other gardens, uh, lavender gardens or various things, then I now have a companion who will enjoy going on those trips with me and how naturally that arose. And for her, she was saying that she has been totally geeking out on a lot of uh, the things about soil composition and and how plants planted next to each other can complement each other. Well, I don't have a garden. I don't get to see that, but now... I have a place where I can go visit my friend Katie and she can show me some of that. I just think it's miraculous. That is know? cool. But I bet, I bet Katie knows about Duff depth. I bet she does. She's studying soil composition. Well, and then Duff came up while we were visiting Tim Noah. But yeah. his, he actually had us lie on the ground and smell, smell the Duff. The Duff and it's that the truth. Was... That's the other thing. If you've ever raked up a pile of maple leaves and then jumped in it, you know that smell yeah, I do. of the maple leaf? Oh, man, there ain't nothing Well, like I love the smell of duff in the northwest. I mean, you smell it even in the air mm-hmm. on wet days. That's one of the things that I love about the northwest is you can smell the... I, I always said it's like a combination of salt water and uh, blackberry brambles and... And the various evergreen trees that surround us. You know what a ponderosa and pine smells like? I don't know that I do. Next time you're around a ponderosa pine, give it a good hug. Okay. And take a whiff. It smells like vanilla. Wow. Yeah. It's a very pleasant vanilla. The well, see, this is what I, I want to learn more about how to identify the plants even. I don't know as much as you do in that way. Well, I don't know. So. I know nothing. Well, know but nothing. that's but what Ray I'm saying. This is... This is like this whole world of study that is just there for me. Um, And I am a person who always loves scholarships, so I I don't think I'm going to have much trouble with this transition. Really? Although you've been predicting this all along, I had my doubts for a while. Yeah. But I hadn't yet gone through the ego shadow. Yeah. It's an interesting passage. So don't you think we should talk about the music? Yes, I think we should. This seems like a good segue, because we can talk about this for hours, folks. We can. Um, so we are continuing on the, the retirement playlist from my brother. And one of the songs that he had was 18th Avenue, which is a song that I've always loved. It's just such a powerful song. But when you think about it in retirement, I'd be curious what you make of the, of the, the concepts of that. Cause it's kind of a mysterious song, it isn't is a mysterious it? It is mysterious so for me it's always been like there's something that is trying to overtake the the narrator um and i almost want to say uh the kind of grayness of uh a life that is too uh bound by society and by rules and and that his escape was somehow to get back to himself 
So a lot of what we were talking about, just having the excitement of your own passions drive your your meaning in your life rather than what somebody else basically says you must do for your ego building. Yeah. Do you, a... do you think that that's kind of where you would go with that with the retirement? I don't know. I, I'd have to be listening to the song to talk about it like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that the the main thing about listening to the 18th Avenue for me is uh, when I'm seeing it and thinking about meanings just dropped to the ground and uh, stung my tongue. To repeat the words that I used to use only yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. And then, you know, another song to represent kind of what comes after, what's available. Yeah. What's available. Well... The thing that's so interesting for me about Cat Stevens is that, as you wrote when I said that this would be the choice for today, you said the soundtrack of our lives. And really, it is a soundtrack of our lives, you know. But I always loved the the song that was featured in Harold and Maude that we had (laughs) mentioned earlier. Uh, If you want to sing out, sing out. You know, because there really is this feeling of uh, boundaries right. when you're... And, and the fact that that Harold is introduced to this concept through a woman who is old, you know. Gee, yeah. If you want to be free, be free. There's a million things to be, you know. You know who you are. You know that they are. And now I, I feel like there's a million things to be and that celebration of coming into this period of time out of a place where, you know, like it's someone else's constructed meanings, not your own. Right. It's somebody you know, else's thoughts, which is why it stings your tongue. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, if you start to realize how amazing it is just to be alive... It's hard to think that the only reason we're here is to work at a job for forty years, yeah. you know, to that, consume and then cons- die. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it, that can't be it. You know, it's not worthy of you know what you get to look at every day to think that this is the part I play in this. I don't think so. So you you get an opportunity to uh, occupy a lot more of what existence is all about. I think after you retire or after you're free of that ego piece you know so for me it's been it feels kind of liberating you know it's not that I don't ever want to play the guitar again it's just that I realize how much of my vitality was involved in that all the time you know and I'd gotten so used to the kind of the onwardness of it that I didn't really recognize how much energy it took to sustain it until I got to an age where gee the energy reserves weren't what they used to be and, you know, after a treehouse concert on Tuesday night, I'd be pretty much wrecked all day Wednesday. And it's like, wait a minute. The other thing about the ego shattering that I think is so fascinating yeah. is that you so fear it, and yet it's the most desirable yeah. thing you could possibly imagine. Know. You know? It's sort of like all this time that you have been torturing yourself about the, the treehouse concerts, unbeknownst to everybody else, that it really was sort of a, a struggle. Struggle, yeah, yeah for yeah. you, yeah. and and then when you have that situation where you're not in that struggle anymore, and you can just like for me, struggling to keep my my ego intact at the job, you can't do it at the end. I don't think. I mean, no, you because the young people have more energy than you. Right. <laughs> you know, they do. And that is what Joseph Campbell said. Right. In his... Joe. It all goes back to Joe. Well, it does. Yeah. I mean, I've been keeping this journal for so long yeah. about this whole time, and now everything is making sense about what I had already said. But I just, I know I've read this on the show before, but I love this. 
There comes a time in post-midlife when society disengages you. Younger people who have come along who can do the job better than you. Also, let me tell you secretly, you've disengaged yourself. When everybody you meet reminds you of someone you've met before and all you hear you've heard before, you're ready for another show. And so we're ready for another show, man. Yeah, Bubba. Well, I rode a while for a mile or so Down the road to the 18th Avenue And the people I saw were the people I know And they all came down to take a view The path was dark and borderless Down the road to the 18th Avenue And it stung my tongue to repeat the words That I used to use only yesterday Meanings just dropped to the ground To remember what I thought and what I used to say. Don't let me go down. No, don't let me go. Move my hands are tight as I struggled inside the empty waste of another day. Memories were black to my eyes The fire and the glory of that night Seemed safely locked away Too hungry to rise things to be you know that there are 
And if you want to live high, live high And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are You can do what you want The opportunities are And if you find a new way You can do it today You can make it all true And you can make it undo You see Ah, it's easy Ah, you only need to know Well, if you want to say yes, say yes And if you want to say no, say no Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are And if you want to be me, be me And if you want to be you, be you Cause there's a million things to do You know that there are You can do what you want The opportunity's on And if you find a new way You can do it today You can make it all true And you can make it undo You see Ah, it's easy Ah, you only need to know Well, if you want to sing out, sing out And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are, you know that there are You know that there are, you know that there are You know that there are